Hey, we're going to keep going on this series on koinonia that we've been pushing into and um, talking about. So if you've got your Bible, you might want to get it ready, Acts 2, 42. We're going to read that in a moment. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. But, you know, one of the things that the Lord's really been um, encouraging Nicole and I to in this season is keep grabbing the book. Make it, make, it a, make it like a daily thing, like brushing your teeth. Grab the book. Open the book. Read the book. There is life to be found here in meeting with God as you open the book. Um, and um, sometimes when the pressure is on, our lives and circumstances aren't what we would prefer them to be. Sometimes some of those good, healthy practices that we have in our life tend to sort of give way under the intensity of everything that's going on. So again, I just want to encourage you, just like put it in front of your door so you trip over it or something, okay? But like make it obvious to yourself. Give yourself every help. Give yourself every help to just open the book and and get into it. It, it, You'll meet with God there. It will help you on the journey, on the way. All righty. So last weekend we finished off with looking at, in verse 47, how God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we asked ourselves the question, if, if we're the people of Jesus, following King Jesus, are our lives, are our hearts, are our lives open to God adding to our heart and to our life every day those people that God is saving around us and at work in around us? Um, and um, so my, my opening question to you this, this week is, where did you notice God saving people this week? Where did you notice God saving people around your life this week? Because it's going on. It's going on. It's happening all around us. If we would only have the eyes to see what, you know, Jesus' famous statement is like, I only do what I see my dad doing. Jesus had eyes to see what the father's doing. So where was God at work around us this week saving people? Um, on uh, Monday morning, I woke up with this um, uh, thought about a guy who I haven't seen for about five or six years. And um, he doesn't live local anymore. He lives like about four hours away from here. And as I was kind of think, I kind of woke up thinking about him and I'm just like, oh, just that's an interesting thought. And I kind of catalogued it and just kind of, because the priority of my need for caffeine sort of came to the front and so I found myself at the coffee machine just working away trying to get my espresso working just nicely for me so that I would be okay for the start of the day and as I'm doing that all of a sudden this guy come back to my mind again I'm just like that's just so frustrating you know like and I pushed it to the back of the pile again and um, and then I got my coffee and I went and sat in my little chair that I sit in, you know, it's like my meet with God chair that I meet, you know, sit, sit in every morning for a few minutes. And, um, and so as I'm going on, I'm sitting in my chair and I've got my Bible open and I'm doing my, you know, reading plan and I, it's like, oh God, I really just want to meet with you. Like this, this guy just like nag, this guy just kept like coming into the foreground of my mind. Nag, nag, nag. And I, I kind of started to put it in the category of like, 
that just sounds like my mum nagging me as a young man, like, get out of here, you know. I'm just like pushing this thing off to the side. But it's interesting, someone once said to me, you know, it's like the Holy Spirit often sounds like our mum, so don't be so quick to dis- dismiss the wisdom that's coming to you, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I'd kind of categorised it, this is just a nag, and I'm putting it way over there because I've got to do this stuff with God today, you know. And so anyway, I managed to do that, and then I'm getting in the car, and I'm driving to work. I put some, I'm like, this is great. It's only a six-kilometer drive, so I've like, I can maybe get one really thumping worship song in before I'm at work. And so I put this, okay, I'm going for this one today. You know, Move was the name of this song. I just love that one. And as I'm singing away, it's like this guy's just like in the foreground of my thinking, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I'm just like, goodness me, I've got work to do. So anyway, I get into the office and I'm like, <laughs> I've got work to do, you know. And I'm starting to get stuck into the, you know, umpteen emails and communications I need to make all around the place locally and around the place, around the country and stuff. And I'm ploughing away at that and this thought just is relentless. So I, I think, oh, what am I going to do? So anyway, so I come out here and I walk around and do a few laps thinking that it'll sort of <laughs> get out of my head. But anyway, eventually I just went, I sat down and I just went, all right. So I pulled out my phone. I didn't have his phone number, but I found him online and I sent him a message. And the message was this. It was super anointed. It was super anointed. It was like, hey, mate, thinking about you today. Hope everything's okay. God bless you, Kirk. (laughs) That was like my you know, powerhouse anointed message from God that I sent to him. But funnily enough, after I'd done that, the nag left me. The nag left me. And I was like, I able to just get on with the day. And as I'm, so about four, four hours later, um, sort of half past 12, close to one o'clock, my phone rings. And it's this guy. And I said, and I, and I said, oh, hey, mate. And he says, oh, hi, Kirk. I said, how are you? And then the next thing on the phone was a fully grown man just in complete tears and heaving. I mean, you could... I said, where are you? He said, I'm sitting on the side of the main street in the town in which I live. I'm on my lunch break. I've got nowhere to be. And I am just like... And then he told me his story. So I just stood, listened for a while. I just said, mate, I... I I don't know what to say to you right now other than I'm here. So you just cry as long as you need. And, and if I was there with you, I'd throw my arms around you, give you a big hug and, I, you know, and be praying with you. But I just want you to know I'm just here. And so he, he, he belly ached and cried and tears and everything for a good couple of minutes. And then he finally told me. He said, mate, you, you sending that message to me was just such an important thing for me to receive today. And I said, why? He said, well, I'm separated from my wife. Um, we're living in the same house, but we're now both we're separated. I, I only get a certain amount of time with my kids. I'm, I'm about to lose my job. I've, uh, and if I lose my job, then that's just going to really smash things up for my two little girls and I won't be able to afford the school they go to. And this, this guy was on edge and his whole life was falling apart. And I just asked, I said, mate, how's your, how's your conversation going with Jesus? He says, I need to be really honest. He said, I haven't spoken with Jesus in a long time and neither has my partner, let alone the two of us together. And, and so anyway, we spent some time talking and I prayed with him and I just said, listen, mate, I just want you to know for the next couple of weeks each day, 
I'm just going to send you a little message. And it's just to remind you that God's thinking about you. God loves you. And I love you too. And, um, and so he just sends me back a little response every day. And we play a little bit of phone tag around that stuff. And Where was God saving the people that you were living among this week? Even if they're four hours away by car. God is busy saving people everywhere. And he is just looking for his Jesus people to be aware enough of the Holy Spirit's invitations that often we consider as like, oh, that's just a random thought or a nagging person in my head, when in fact it's the Spirit of God living in us saying, God's saving someone right now and he needs you to be a part of that. And are you willing to let him add that to your life? Oh, I'm busy, I don't have time. No, 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 no. We all have all the time in the world. It's just how we choose to prioritise it and use it. We have all that bus- busyness is, is a lie that we live under. Time, we have all the time in the world to administer it with the Lordship of Jesus leading us. We often fail to see that God is adding people to his kingdom. He is saving people. If you look at that verse in verse 47, Acts 2.47 that we're going to read in a moment, that verse 47, we often read it, God added to their number those who are being saved. We often read it with a classic picture in our mind, like that word saved. But you've got, you know, we tend to think, on bended knee, confessing our sin, inviting Christ to be king, entering into the kingdom of God and living forever. And that's a great picture. That's an awesome picture and a real truth. But there's a word before the saved. The word before the saved was the word being. Being saved. Being saved. People don't just wake up and get saved. God is at work saving them so that they will be saved. And he's inviting us to be a part of the process of helping people get connected to Jesus. But we put this classic picture on being saved and we go, well, that's, I don't do that. That's not my job. That's someone else's job. No, no, no. Our job is to partner with that, Holy Spirit nagging love of God for the sake of someone else to meet Jesus Christ. Saving others. We often fail to realise this because we have actually minimised the power of our availability and the Christ who lives in us and through us. We often fail to participate because we've minimised our part in the process of God saving people, of God bringing people into relationship with Jesus and into the kingdom of God. For all sorts of reasons, that minimization takes place in our thinking and our practices and our lifestyle. But how engaged were you and me this week in partnering with where God is busy saving people? Because He's doing it daily, all around us, all the time. 
Grab your Bible. Acts 2.42. Let's read this. It says, um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs being performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, just the last few weeks, we've been looking at um, through that those few verses of Scripture, we've, we've really dug in and we've looked at what does it mean to live a devoted life, a devoted to God and devoted to people, devoted to the fellowship of believers. What does that look like? What's our response to a non-manipulative invitation to a whole new way of living that God invites and opens up to us? It's completely non-manipulative. There's no tricks. There's no gags. There's no, I'm going to impress you. It's the revelation of God's love for us in Christ. And he says, come, follow me. What's our, what's our devoted response look like? We also unpacked that great message that Scott brought to us about letting God love us, particularly through others. And then particularly the people that we find awkward and difficult to be around. But actually they're a vessel of God's grace and love to our life. We also looked at the, the, what it means for us as a people of Jesus to disempower all of the cultural idols that we're living with and give our life of worship, take it from those things and empower our life of worship unto Jesus and not under our, unto our cultural icons and our cultural um, spiritual activities like uh, our idols of isolation and fragmentation and transience and privacy and consumerism and power, and complacency, and alienation, and suspicion. They're all idols because we empower them with our choices. And Jesus is pouring out his spirit on, these, on, G, on his people here in the book, and there's this disempowering of the idols and the cultural powers, and there's this empowering of the kingdom of God. I think I touched on this a couple of weeks ago there's no neutral ground there's no neutral ground even when you think oh, I'm not going to play anymore you're, you're in the game <laughs> there's no neutral spiritual ground the kingdom of God is colliding with the powers of darkness continually to establish the good news message that God has started a whole revolution of saving his good creation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ it is very spiritually active and powerful. So we looked at what it means to disengage and disempower those idols and empower life unto Christ and his way. And then last week we looked at what it's like to cultivate hearts for the kingdom of God, hearts that are alive to God, hearts that learn how to welcome people, hearts that learn how to release people and let people go. 
in seasons they're with us and seasons they move away from us and learning to navigate the challenges and the difficulties around that. We also looked at hearts that are willing to allow Christ to be Lord of our heart that says, I'm going to let God daily add to my life. Whoever it is, he's going to bring into it today. I'm going to let God daily add because he's, right, he's the author and the perfecter of this story of my faith with Christ. And at the same time, the key to sharing our home actually begins with our heart. Remember that quote that John Wimber, we keep bouncing back to this one every week, and I I just love to keep reading it. It's a great one. Wimber says this, intimacy with God leads to intimacy with one another. In other words, our mutual belonging and relating is founded on God's presence and God's word. The priority of fellowship is all about the importance of relationships, actually doing them, operating relationally, sharing a common life. It means being family to one another in a loving and caring relationship. We prioritise fellowship. That's what's there in Acts 2. Wimber just repacks it in a different way. It's a great quote. Hey, today though, before you and I are able to make the big leap of going, yeah, I'm going to welcome people into my home, first we need to be able to welcome them into our life. And before we even welcome them into our life, we have to do the harder work in here. And am I actually able to make room with God for people here from the heart? Because if it's not flowing from here where Christ rules and reigns, then it's just religious energy and effort. And you just burn yourself out and you feel like, I hate God, I hate church, I hate people, I hate everything, cynicism rules, and there you go, you're off worshipping a whole other series of idols again. Bring your pain back to Christ like we said last week. Let him heal you. Let him restore you. Bring life to your relational historical pain and let him be Lord and lead you into a place where actually there is room for other people. But Luke, Dr. Luke, when he wrote this book in Acts chapter 2, when he took his um, observations as a doctor and and, um, he was able to observe what God was doing, he makes these couple of great little observations that I want to just touch on here this morning. The first one, and again, this is about heart work. This is about stuff of the heart, working on the hard stuff here, is what type of hearts do we see in these early Jesus people? And what type of heart do we see in ourselves? Well, um, Luke makes this observation. He says that there's one thing about these people is that they have glad hearts. These Jesus people are known for being glad-hearted people. Now, let me put some pictures to this for you guys. Um, So these people, most of them in Acts 2, are good Jews that have all of a sudden met Jesus as their Messiah, as their Lord. So the long story of God has... Long story of God comes along and then Christ the Messiah arrives. Israel's king has finally come. The kingdom has come. And all of a sudden they're like, well, how do we now live this new life with Jesus as Lord? And what's the role of the temple in all of that? Because the temple for those guys in the long story has been, in the temple it's a picture of the Garden of Eden. It's a picture of where heaven and earth kiss That's why when they're in the desert, wandering around for years, they needed a temple. Why? So the presence of God could reside there. Because where God resides, the perceived gap and distance 
between where heaven rules and earth is, kisses. So the temple plays this really important role called the presence of God. So they're used to, in their daily doings, going out, buying a little bit of meat and veg for, for dinner tonight and, you know, going off to work and sending the school, kids, some of the kids off to rabbi school and so forth. But most of them laboured and worked hard. And then somewhere in the hubbub of all of that, they would go and hang out at the temple courts. Why? Because they wanted to get a little bit of heaven and earth in their daily life. And that's how they did it. So they had this long practice of doing that. And as an overflowing reality of that is it worked out into their daily lives. We, you know, it's, they just love to get together and chat about what God's up to. They would hang out, be it five minutes, be it, be it an hour, be it for three hours. And then they would sort of then go around this outer courtyard that was there. This outer courtyard, it was called the Courtyard of the Gentiles. And the Courtyard of the Gentiles was where the Gentiles were allowed to be, but not the Jews. Because the Jews had like a more close-in space of the temple. But the, but the heart of God was that there would always be room for the Gentiles to be around his presence. It's for everyone. So then they'd go and knock about with the Gentiles in the courtyard for a bit, telling them about what they've discovered about God while they're hanging out together in the temple, having a chat. And then what they would do is they would go and have an eat. Let's go down to Nando's. Let's eat. And they'd have a chat about it and they'd pray with each other and they'd go and they'd anoint each and pray for the Holy Spirit and God would rock up and do this crazy signs and wonder stuff. It was just a natural outworking of what it's like when you connect with Jesus and the big story of God and it starts to fill your life and the overflow is I love hanging out with God, I love hanging out with God's people and I love telling people that God's always had a heart for about him and by the way, let's eat. Come to my house. It's, it's not rocket science, is it? No. This is what it's like when the Spirit of God is being poured out into the earth. Being poured out into the earth. And so when that's happening, the thing that Luke looks at is he goes, man, these guys have got glad hearts. Why? Because they found their purpose, their place, and the priority of God flowing through their life. They just, it was like this convergence moment where it all came together and they were like, I'm alive. This is what I've been made for, to worship God, not all these other idols, to worship Christ as Lord, not Caesar, to risk my whole life doing it, even though Caesar is going to come after me for doing it. But there's this gladness that I'm in God, I'm in his story, I'm with his people, and other people get sucked up into that along the way. Let's eat. Yes, this joy, it's this gladness, this joy. It's actually, if you look at it in the Greek a bit more and you unpack it a bit more, it, it literally means um, exceeding joy. Not just like a whiff of joy or a moment of joy or a, like an inkling of joy. <laughs> it's like if, I had, if this cup was your heart and the exceeding gladness of just belonging to Jesus, belonging to his people, hanging out, talking God, doing the stuff together and say, come into my house, let's eat. If that was your heart, it would, and I filled it with water, the joy would literally be overflowing the brim of that cup. Exceeding joy is a distinctive 
of Jesus' people. Yesterday, we had the great privilege and joy of marrying um, Sean and Sharon yesterday up at Montville. Actually, it was only like about 200 metres down the road from where you guys got married the other month. It was literally, I went, hey, that's where Carl and Em got married. And then 200 metres, oh, we're doing this wedding here. It was like right down the street. Anyways, um, we're doing this wedding and yesterday, because of you know, what I do vocationally, I get to stand really close to the bride and the groom while they're getting married. And so, like, I'm standing here, he, Sean's there and, and, and Sharon's there, and it's like you stand there and you can feel everything that's going on between them and what's in their hearts. You can see it on their faces and then there's this vibe. You can, like, like they're vibing each other. Like, you know, they're thinking all sorts of really awesome stuff about each other. And you, you, you're just like, whoa, this is intense. This is intense. It's, and then during the ceremony, Sean a couple of times, he's like trying to say his words and he starts crying and then he pulls himself back together again and then he laughs and he's, he's coming undone. He's a little unhinged. He's, he's, the, the gladness is starting to leak out of him and he's giving himself permission to let that happen. It was so beautiful to see. And to be caught up in that. And Sharon the same. In her eyes and the way she was looking at Sean. And you could hear it in the, the, the tenure of her voice. The way she spoke her vows to him. It was like, whoa, whoa. This isn't just words. This is like flowing out of you. This is who you really are in this moment. This is what these Jesus people are like. They just got caught up and alive in this exceedingly glad reality. I'm like... I belong to God. I've found my place. He's come. His kingdom has come and it's good news for me and it's good news for every Gentile person around me and every pagan and every, you name it. It's good news for everyone. I remember the night that I got to lead Nicole to the Lord. That was such a great night. You know, we'd been dating for probably about three weeks or something or other and we were going, I took her to church and started taking her to church with me and, 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 and we're just driving home after church that night and she starts crying in the car and I'm driving home to a mum's house about 20 minutes down the road and she starts crying and crying and crying. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and she says, I should have given my life to Jesus tonight at that church. I said, would you like to do that? And she said, yeah. And so we pulled over in a mum's driveway, mum and dad's driveway, and together I got to introduce Jesus and Nicole. And I got, they met and Nicole was just like, she was like a bundle of tears and a bit of a mess. She was all unhinged and like, oh, this is great, but I'm a mess. And she walked in the, into the house and I said, all right, no worries, I'll catch up with you tomorrow and see what's doing. So there, and then I'm just like, right, this is a moment all windows down in the car, radio up really loud, and I'm just going to yell out the window all the way home because I was, I was so alive that Nick had entered the kingdom of God. She'd met Jesus, the best and only person that I could ever hope that she would meet. And, she, and so I'm just yelling all the way home 20 minutes later down the road, down the highway, head out the window. I had a bit more hair then. But, um, you know, it was just awesome. I was so alive. There was this gladness of heart that just filled and overflowed my life. So I get home. Mum and dad are in bed asleep. House is quiet. 
I'm like, I just bust through the door. I just like, and I run upstairs, really heavy footed. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I was making people in the house know I'm home. And then I just run into my mum and dad's bedroom and I just start jumping up and down on their bed. And they're like, ah, what's going on? Ah. I said, it's good news. Nick's just given a life to Jesus. See, it's, it's this gladness of heart. There's this reality of Jesus alive in us that's just bursting to come forth as a gift to the people that we live amongst. He doesn't want you to be religious about it. It's just overflow of relationship. Gladness of heart. And the last one is this. They were also a people of sincerity. They had sincere hearts. That was the other thing Luke noticed about them. There was just an honest simplicity. It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't pretentious. It wasn't religious. They'd just come out of this other covenant and into this new one where it was all about the faithfulness of King Jesus to save them and no longer having to live underneath this law of expectation and hard works. But that God had made them acceptable to him because God himself in his faithfulness had provided Christ to be king. And they're just like, yes, thank you. There was a sincerity about this. There was an unveiledness about that. There was an unhiddenness about that. You know, one of the things I love about the reality of gathering with Jesus' people here at PRV is God's presence. I just love it. Every week people come, they get undone. They just get undone. They meet with God and they get undone. They get unhinged. They get real. One of our little sayings that we've had for umpteen years is, come as you are. Come as you are. We're just fully trusting God knows where you are and that he knows what you need and he will meet with you. So we have this culture. It's not, it's not flashy. It's not over the top. It's not, we don't use words to inflate. It's just, it is sincere. It's us. It's us following Jesus together. This is what I love about this place. It's what I believe Luke saw in these people. They were people of sincerity, simplicity, Keeping the main thing the main thing. It's all about Jesus. They continued to meet together in the temple courts with glad hearts, joy that exceeded the container of their heart and flowed into every aspect of their life. They had a gladness of heart that was not dependent on an easy circumstance or a financial blessing or an easy road. That had absolutely nothing to do with it. They were amazed that God, in all of his saving kindness, would catch them and their lives up into the faithful prophetic promise that was always told them, God is near, he is on his way, and now he has come with his son, Jesus. And they are just like, this is it. We're living it now and into the age to come. So this week, as the Spirit of the Lord is being poured out on your life, because he is, that's the precursor to that little bit of scripture that we read there in Acts 2, the Spirit of God's being poured out. That's what this stuff happens as God's pouring his Spirit on all flesh, men, women, children, 
young and old. The Spirit of God is being poured out on people. This week, who is King Jesus saving around you? And ask that question again for you to take home and partner with God with this week. Who is God saving around you this week? And will you partner with him and let him add to your life and our life together those very people he is saving Let's stand and pray. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're among us. And in the, you know, the challenges of this season where it's like we're allowed to be together but not all together. It's like we're allowed to be near but not really near. It's like there's just so much like frustration in the air and in reality, and it's, it's like fatiguing. It really wears us down, Lord. And there's all sorts of spiritual stuff in the background that's supercharging that as well. But, Lord, here we are. We're your people. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, you would come. You would pour out your presence on our lives. Let our hearts come alive to you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Show us the the faces of the people that we're living amongst. It may be family members. It may be work colleagues, students at school or university mates or people that we work with in the coffee shop or the gym that we work out next to. Whatever, Lord. Just let the overflow of your presence in our life, Lord, connect us up to who you're saving, that they might be added, Lord, to your kingdom, your good news kingdom, in a world that right now is desperate for some good news, as you break the isolation with the power of your love. Use us, Lord. Use us for your glory. Spend us for your name's sake, that other people would know the joy of Jesus. And if in the room right now, there's some of us in this room right now who've been like just a little bit of like, you know, giving God a bit of a stiff arm approach because you can feel his love. It's coming after you and you're doing your darndest to try and keep him at bay. Just let go. I just encourage you in this moment, let go. Let his love come and consume your life. Let his love come and heal the hurt, forgive the sin. Restore the sense of purpose and give you vision and empower you that you might be one who partners with him to bring the kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless your people today, Jesus. Bless them. Bless them, Jesus. And in God's name, yeah, thanks, Anna. And in God's name, I just commission you all this week. I commission you. A bit like Paul did in the book, you know, he commissions his people. And I just want, I just commission you. In Jesus' name.
partner with the Holy Spirit this week where God's opening your heart to the people around you. Just go love them. Let the main thing be the main thing. Don't make it complicated. Go as you are. Let them come as they are. And may the power of the one who is risen and holds the keys to all things, may the power of his presence lead you this week. I bless your hearts. I bless your heart. I bless your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.